Welcome back to the ATI Podcast. This is Barrett here to start things off for us this week. First and foremost, thank you for tuning back in. We have many great tasty treats for our listeners here on episode 10. These treats, of course, are courtesy of the whole damn meal. Dessert and all, our man of the hour, Jesus Rose, a.k.a. Mr. Brian Jones. Brian, like many of us, was originally born in St. Louis and then moved to the mineral area at a young age. Brian graduated here in Southeast Missouri, locally. Brian always had the gift of gab, the ability to speak to anyone, and a great disposition. It was evident at an early age that he was destined for greatness, purely based off his raw talent and natural abilities. Brian comes from a large family as well. We discuss how the family dynamic has helped shape and motivate his career and has made him the artist that he is today. Music turned out to be therapy that helped Brian to escape the problems that existed in his upbringing as well. We'll dive into that. After school, Brian moved back to St. Louis, at which he took advantage of many opportunities and began pursuing his musical career. St. Louis is known to be the place where many artists, particularly in the rap and R&B genres, have achieved their creative breakthroughs, i.e. Nelly Murphy Lee. Chingy, Jaquan, Akon, Smino, Metro Boomin, St. Lunatics, and SZA, just to name a few. And if you really want to go old school, let's talk about Ike and Tina Turner, as well as Chuck Berry. As an R&B artist, Jesus Rose is bringing with him some fresh new takes to the genre. Brian's vocal talent is perfected with emotion and a deep commitment to bring life to everything that he touches. Brian, a.k.a. Jesus Rose, symbolizes a return to music that captures our desires, emotions, and life's most precious moments with compassion. R&B is hungry for an artist just like Jesus Rose. So will you please welcome to the program my dear friend, Brian Jones, a.k.a. Jesus Rose. How's mom and the fam? Boy, my mom. Yeah. That's an old lady. Everyone's doing very well. Um, yeah. We just recently moved my mom to Texas. Um, my little brother, Don, he lived yeah. in Austin. So we moved my mom from, you know, the boot hill down to Austin with him. Yeah. Um, just to get her a different, you know, scenery. Um, he's about to have, well, he just recently had a baby on the 29th. She turned one. Oh, super yeah. excited. Yeah. Um, Jermaine, 
he is in Iowa with his wife. They're expecting their second baby. So everyone nice. is just prospering, to be honest. That's awesome. Lots of, lots of greatness. That's God has awesome. been taking care of everybody. You know what I'm saying? I hear you. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know if Dom told you, but I ran into him at Walmart about three or four years ago. And we talked for like 45 minutes. Like, I didn't yeah. even recognize him, dude. He's fucking jacked. He's a big old boy now. Oh, yeah. And, and <laughs> Everyone's seen, like gym rats, man. It's yeah. like in our DNA. So it's like, and uh, but those two, they done surpassed me, bro. I I, like, I know they're big. They're big, they're big. Huge. Especially Jermaine. I ran it. He was actually working out of the same gym as me and our gym closed. And, uh, oh, for real? Yeah. Which ones? Uh, Element Fish, Fitness there in Park Hills. That's really small gym. I, I honestly I can't remember the name of it now. It's been closed for like two years, but it was yeah. uh it was up there next to Big Lots mm-hmm. in, in Lettington, and mm-hmm. that lady had like a huge space there. She was doing personal training. A lot of powerlifter guys were going there. Um, she even mm-hmm. had like a bag room. I'd work out in the bag room, just doing some boxing and shit. And uh, they even had like a roll room for like MMA and stuff like that. Like she had all kinds of real estate there. Mm-hmm. Tons of machines, but yeah, she 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 had money issues. Yeah, I think that was uh, I think her name was Chrissy. That's I right. Remember. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. I went to that gym a couple times when I'd be out there. I'd go out there with like Alaric and Will and all the guys. Brian Little would come out sometimes. My yeah. boy Stefan from North County. It'd be a whole bunch of us, and we'd just be in there gym ratting it out. Right. You know? Yeah, there was little packs that come in there all the time. I was usually in there by myself, but uh, I don't know if you remember Ridge Jackson. I ended up playing music with him and stuff. He he came mm-hmm. over from Bellevue in high school, and me and him got pretty tight. And uh, he got into powerlifting pretty hardcore there for a while, so we were we were working out there together quite frequently. But yeah, everybody kind of put on their headphones, get in their zone, especially if you're in there to do work. You know, you ain't in there to chill out and grab ass. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So I uh, I wanted to talk about how how we know each other, obviously, to kind of so we can kind of make those connections for everybody that's listening to the show too. So you yeah. moved over to down to the AV area, like in elementary school, right, or middle school, somewhere in that range. Yeah, elementary school. Yeah. yeah, and so you and Aaron, my brother, were in the same grade, and you guys were like best friends. Yeah, that's, he, that's my brother to this day. That's yeah. my brother. And he call you call the house all the time, and I talk to you on the phone or whatever for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then as you got into middle school, I'd see you a little bit more frequently because we were like in the same building, and mm-hmm. I was in high school. And then uh, we really, I think, hit it off to another level whenever we were in band together, yep. and on drum line specifically. Yep. And uh, I have to tell this story. I told Josh, I'm like, I'm working this <laughs> fucking story in because it's like one of my favorite things from high school is uh, whenever we did the Jackson 5, I Want You Back in marching band. Bro. And uh, we were fucking around and you were singing to it. And I was like, dude, get the fuck out there and start dancing to that. And <laughs> and, uh, and uh, it was either, I think it was either Bartley or Bales. I can't remember who our instructor was at the time. I want to say maybe Bartley. I think it was Bartley, yeah. Yeah. And he was like, what the fuck are you guys doing out here? And uh, you just, like, cut a rug, and it was like, it just came off so amazing, just off the get. And uh, he was like, all right, you guys do that every time now. (laughs) So whenever we went and and did that competition down in South Iron, 
and you busted and you killed it, dude. And, uh, you know, that right there was just the start of the showcase of the performer. I feel like that you are and ultimately would end up being, you just had it in your blood. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it was so crazy cause you know, I started off originally like really getting into the drums in church and like, it was like everyone around me was like hesitant when it came to the music thing because it, you know how sure. it, how it is where we're from. You know what I'm saying? It's an unrealistic gold thing. You right, know, but right. like I literally have to contribute the fact that I still pursue music today to the fact that from playing the drums in marching band, I still have the photos from that day when we performed in that parade and I did the Michael Jackson dance and all of that, I still have yeah. photos of that. You know what I'm saying? My mom keeps a photo of me and Aaron on her, like, well, it's not on her fridge now, but for a long time, it was on her fridge of me and Aaron at that exact parade that you're speaking about. It's so crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cause I literally remember taking my snare off, like, and yep. just going out and dancing. Um, and just everything, bro. Like, to playing the bass guitar I don't know if you remember but you actually like showed me how to play play the bass guitar y'all showed me how to play Eye of the Tiger on the guitar yeah like everything musically that I was doing bro like y'all were right there at the foundation of all of it like you encouraged me to keep going so yeah we were all kind of blowing up at that time like learning different stuff so like obviously when we first started becoming friends I wasn't even playing guitar and bass yet and like Mm -hmm. I kind of took off with that like because I started to learn to do that also and in and actually in band, I started on saxophone of all things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I I can do a little bit of this and that. In fact, I just got my saxophone back from my sister like a couple months ago. I was like, I wonder if I could still play this thing. And <laughs> I busted it out, dude, and I was able to run through a scale. Still, it's crazy that muscle memory that you can build up at that early age, and you can still you knock the shit out. Remember you know, it that long. But. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, so obviously we've known each other for quite some time, and then. Um, I think it was about four or five years ago I ran into you again uh, up in South County and just out of nowhere, and we cut it up at the mall a little bit. And then I even came back a couple weeks later because I told my buddy that was back from the military, I was like, my buddy Brian's working up at South County. We got to stop by and see him. And uh, you got to meet him because that's, you know, Brandon's my best friend also. And I I wanted you guys to connect at least for a minute so he knew who you were because I was always telling stories about back in the day in high school, me and Brian, this and that. Uh, you know, I mean, I remember giving you and your brothers rides home from school sometimes and shit like that, too. And yeah, yeah. us fucking jamming out to... You like a big brother, bro. Like, you looked <laughs> out a lot. Yeah, jamming we out to... We, uh, we, we dealt with some crazy shit back then, too. Yeah. So you might have saved our lives a couple times back then, you know? Especially the area, yeah. right? Yeah, we... I mean, there's obviously some, like horrific stories and things that you dealt with <laughs> specifically down in Arcadia. Like I was just telling Josh before we got on the call, like I remember, you know, somebody said something cross to you, probably used like a superlative or, you know, a racial slur. And I remember you just like, I was like, this dude fucking crow hopped and just knocked his <laughs> ass out. Uh, and, uh, I, and I was so proud of you. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I was like, the motherfucker deserved it. Right. You know, I remember shit happening and, we would have talks too, and I'd be like, I try to encourage you to be above it, but I knew I could never, I could never walk a day in your shoes. But I saw the shit that right. people did and said that was obviously inappropriate and no, yeah. no room for it, you know. But that, that's what makes what's going on right now that much sweeter, though. That's why I wanted to bring that up because 
you are doing great things with your life and fucking people like that, you know. Yeah. You reap what you sow, bro. You know? Facts. Is it a culture Facts. culture shock coming from like a small town area and going out to the West Coast? I mean, I'm sure it is, but I mean like Bro. <laughs> first of all, I'm first of all I'm gonna say this, bro. When we were growing up, bro, our hangout spot was basically the basketball court. Right. Uh, maybe like a roller rink or both now, maybe, or Walmart. You know what I'm saying? We barely had right. street lights. You feel me? Oh, so yeah. like, like now I went to when I lived moved up to St. Louis. It was like it was like the warm up. You know what I'm saying? But right. like yeah. moving out to LA, bro. Like this is different. You know, like you 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 realize that there's just a different level of living that you don't really get to experience whenever you don't venture out outside right. of your, your you know especially coming from your like a super small town like that bro like you know i went from thinking like i don't, I don't know if you remember Aaron, uh barrett but like i used to collect hot wheels and remote control cars yeah. too so like i always had like a fascination with cars you know right so I, w- I went from looking at remote control cars like you know one day i'm gonna have you know this, you know, and then sure. seeing like a Bentley or a Lamborghini or a Ferrari, like being like, holy crap, dude got a Ferrari. Now it's like, oh, yeah, it's a Bentley truck. Right. Oh, it's a Lamborghini. Out there. Like, right. It's normal. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Like right. I drive I drive those things like one or two, three times a week because I work for major production companies where we literally put them in music videos. So I get to slide around. Right. You know, in these just for the videos, it's like. I don't know, bro. It's like a, a living. It's like I'm. It's like constantly affirming now that I'm out here in this environment because, right. you know. But it's definitely, it's definitely different. The wealth <laughs> that is I out here imagine. is crazy. The women, oh my god. Bro. Yeah, yeah, I hear you, bro. Being a <laughs> oh single god, guy bro. too, man. You got to take your opportunities. You know. <laughs> <laughs> man. Yeah, but, uh, you know, so I know that you were born in St. Louis and then you ended up down in the AV area like we kind of covered before. What what brought you down to AV, if you don't mind me asking you? Initially, so it was a combination of things, man. Um, one, my mother, she was deeply um, rooted in her religion. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, she, we grew up in a Pentecostal church. Yeah. And we had a minister basically come to the church when we were young and say that you know I don't really know the exact details I was pretty young but for the most part I remember him saying like you know they needed to get out of the inner cities it wasn't good for the kids it wasn't good for you know their spirits and he said that they basically needed to go somewhere where they could have land where they can grow food where they can have shelters to you know store food where they can learn to live off the land and you know my mother, she really bought into it, which, you know, I understand why. If you look at where we are today, you know, right. it's pretty crazy. Right. But um, so that was one reason. Another reason is because my pops was like really heavy in the gang culture. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> I I witnessed a lot of crazy things when I was six. I watched a kid get like smoked by another kid, like right in front of me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it was just like. I remember you telling me about that crazy you know what i'm saying because like you see stuff like and then the thing is as, as a kid you don't really realize what's happening you know oh, what yeah. i'm saying like yeah. right. so that trauma it like sticks with you and right. then you realize like 
you don't realize how traumatic it is until later on you go back and think about it. And you're like, holy shit, like I just watched somebody get their brains blown out That's like, right, right in front of me. Right. You know well, what I'm saying? So, when you're that young, your brain essentially goes into survival mode and it's a coping mechanism. You know, you you probably know this too in, in great detail and I'm not going to get into all that, but I can relate in some respects that, you know, Aaron and I were in foster care together for mm-hmm. a long period of time. We were taken from our family. And I was six at the time and he was three, you know, uh, perhaps two and a half, you know, because he's about three and a half years younger than I am. And he doesn't remember a lot of it. But those are my first memories, you know, going through foster homes, being abused, so on and so forth. In fact, we were in a cop's household and we he and I were both being abused by a police officer. That's crazy. So, you know, it's there's a lot of evil out there in the world, masked nice. in good things, you know, kind of the the wolf in sheep's clothing kind of phenomenon, if you will. You know, people that put up a good front and there's really more nefarious things going on in the background that people don't mm-hmm. actually realize and, and hidden agendas and so on and so forth. So, you know, I can definitely co- I can definitely relate with you with all that stuff, you know, and I, and I know the church was kind of in part of your experience and your exposure to you know, performing, you know, playing the drums like you mentioned earlier. Right. We talked about some of the band stuff, you know, you you got propelled into doing things because of your talents, I know. But Mm -hmm. outside that, what what kind of got you driven to pursue the music career? Um, I mean, to be honest, like when I was younger, I realized music was always like an escape for me. You know what I'm saying? Like when I didn't, you know, first of all, when I was in, in that part of town, it was like, I was extremely isolated. Like, even when I had friends, you know, I was close to a lot of people and everything. But, like, right. just me, like, even amongst my my black friends, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was always the warrior of everyone. You know what I'm saying? Like, there was the, other, there was the sure. older kids, you know what I'm saying? I know you remember, like, Vic oh, yeah. and Bobby and all of them, yeah. you know? But me, in my, my age, like, I was the warrior out of all of us. You know what I'm saying? Like... Sure. Everybody else, they was kind of like, they got along very well with others. Whereas me, like, I was the rebel. Like, I didn't settle for shit. You're not going to disrespect me in any way. You're not going to make me conform to any kind of belief system. You're not going to do anything. I'm in control of my life. Like, that's how it was. So it, like, forced me to isolate. I was always isolated. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, So music was kind of like my refuge. And the more I stuck with it, it was like the more it stuck with me. You know what I'm saying? So... As I got older, I found, like, you know, I, I went to college. I s- somehow managed to build my own studio. I don't even know how I managed to accumulate the equipment that I had. I, I still can't think of where I got it from. Um, <laughs> I remember a- I remember AJ, um, he was making beats. Right. You remember AJ? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was making beats. So he would make beats, and I would rap on his beats. This is before I was ever an right. R&B singer. I was a rapper first. Everybody Is called this me, the beat rizzle? They, they called me Ricochet at one point in time. My name was Ricochet. Another yeah. point in time, my name was Young Brizzle. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, Young Brizzle, that's right. <laughs> yeah, dude. I remember you came over, actually, you came over to my house when I was renting a house in Park Hills. And uh, mm-hmm. you, you came over with that album, dude. And I, I still got it on my iPod today. My iPod <laughs> classic, OG, dude. Is an OG. And, I, and I'll still listen I, you know, to I, I still get people hit me up like You're, it was whatever. good already. You know, you could see it right then and there. You you fucking yeah. killed it, dude. It was like you knew it was like it was kind of like in my DNA at that period of time. Right. You could tell like I wasn't finna stop pursuing it, like because no. you know, 
you don't really realize how many people you impact, you know, when you're younger or with anything that you do. You know what I'm saying? You don't really realize it until it's, like, in your face. And I'll never forget, like, when I first made that mixtape, that um, silver and gold mixtape. That's what I called it. Like, I started to actually have fans. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had people that literally, like, would hit me up that I have never seen before, never met, never heard of. Right. And they're like, oh, you're a young Brizzle. Like, I heard of your mixtape, you know, from Fredericktown. And I'm like, I don't even know people from Fredericktown for real. Like, <laughs> right. But right. I know y'all play football. I know Aaron played football in Fredericktown. But like yeah. just from different places that I've never been, you know what I'm saying? People are starting to tell me right. like that they've heard my music. And you know, back then, like in order to get the music, first of all, all I had was CDs. Yes. So you had to have gotten one of my CDs yeah. right. in order to even hear the music. So right. it's like the footwork that was put into it and just like everything that went into it. Like, yeah. It really left an impact. You know, paper. People don't understand that. that hustle with back in the day too. Like you're mentioning, like show flyers. You'd have to paper the oh, school. Yeah, you'd yeah. have to paper. You know, yeah. uh, you'd get in trouble. Right. Fucking Aaron got arrested in the city for fucking soliciting because he was trying to sell band tickets when he was like yeah. seventeen. You know, the like you, was you had to do here. shit. You had to put in the work, right? For sure, to get people to show up because I've I've played shows with thousands of people there. I've played shows with ten, ten people there. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I can tell you, at least for me, the same amount of work went into it, but just you, the results aren't always as rewarding. And you got to mm-hmm. put in that effort, you know? Right. Hell uh, yeah. I got to ask kind of who are your bigger, who were your bigger influences whenever you were getting started? Who would you say kind of most inspired you? You know, I would definitely say DMX was one of my biggest influences. He was one of my favorite rappers. Yeah, me too. Pac was definitely one of my favorite rappers. Yeah. Um, ironically enough, uh, I don't know if you remember a guy that we, he was like a, he was one of my cousins that lived down there too. His name was Jay Red. Dude, he worked for me briefly. I know. He, he was an James. artist too. Yeah. yeah. I've yeah, actually heard of Jay Red. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, bro. He, that's my big cousin and he like used to tell me all the time like, because I used to follow him around. Like the minute I saw him, I was like, if if he was anywhere, I was right next to him, paying attention to everything yeah. he was doing. Like when he had shows, I was at his shows. I'm in a couple of his music videos. Like, yeah. and he used to just always tell me, like, man, just stick with me. Like, you know, yeah. if you stick with me, he you was know. he was big about the time we right. graduated high school. Yeah, yeah he was really because really doing well for I've himself. Definitely heard of J. Red. Yeah, but uh, he. He's a preacher now, or at least he was the last time I spoke with him. Yeah, he's got his own church and stuff. And Wild. That's I've, awesome. I've seen Cynthia Ingram put up live casts of him preaching and stuff. Like, he does he does very well. Very charismatic. You know? Definitely. He always had that in him. Like, he was always, uh, he like you said, charismatic. He always had a way with his words, and it's just his demeanor. He, you know. Yeah. He, oh, you know what I'm saying? So you name drop a DMX, you know, number one. I was totally bummed when he passed. Like, oh, yeah. You know, and uh, I put up, like, I don't make a habit of putting up too many artist stuff, like the Rest in Peace stuff and all that stuff, typically. Unless it was, like, really somebody that did something for me. And I always go the Rest in Power route because, you know, somebody like that that had the influence that he did, I, I feel like, even though as popular as DMX was, he was very underrated. Oh, dude, if you were a 90s like, clean, people don't extremely, respect him. Extremely. Know? He so, should have been next to, he should have been, like, like he should have been mentioned with the greats, to be honest, bro. Like, like the Pox and the Biggies. Like, right. 
the, his, but from his storytelling and just like no one else could perform outperform him like in the rap genre it wasn't no. nobody outperforming DMX like, there's nobody that brought the same energy that he right. brought to the mic no. without question no. so what's Dude, the best DMX really like- album and why <laughs> is it Flesh of My Flesh and Blood of My Blood <laughs> you, hold on hold on hold on you say what I said, what's the best DMX album? And tell me why it's Flesh of My Flesh and Blood of My Blood. <laughs> you want to know some crazy? You want to know the craziest thing? I was literally listening to Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood today. And I'm sitting in the car and like right outside of the studio. And while, while the DMX was playing, like I was just listening to just like all like all of the elements that went into making music back then. Right. And first of all, his skits, crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, Wild. Yeah. You know? And like the Damien skits with, right. with him and his conversation, his songs with the conversations with the devil. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're his wild. love for women. Like, bro, DMX <laughs> loved women. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And then just stop. like like his relationship with God and how transparent he was about it. Right. Like, bro, DMX was so crazy. But Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood is definitely the, the <laughs> best DMX album. Yeah. For sure. Oh, dude. It's the great track after great track. Like, I burned that one in the ground without question. And I, I knew that would get, I knew I'd get a smile out of you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. So I know, you know, after you graduated, uh, AV went to college, so on and so forth, ended up back up in St. Louis. That's, you know, obviously kind of the springboard that kind of got you going, I feel like. you Obviously, I know you opened for Bone Thugs at one point. You know, there was all kinds of shit that you did that you could just punch off on your credentials. Was that the purpose of moving up to St. Louis? Was it to to seize those opportunities? Or what was the real purpose of moving back up to St. Louis? Um, Honestly, it was a combination of things, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, one, I just, I felt like, there was a part of my culture that I was missing out on. Absolutely. Growing up down there. You know what I'm saying? I didn't really fit in because, like, I, as much as I wanted to, I had friends that I embraced and I took in and I, you know, I loved. Like, they, we had the same DNA. You already know that. You yeah. know, I still think about my first time having a turkey burger was at your pop's crib. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, like... I, the the love that I have for you guys alone, like, it's just crazy, you know? Yeah. But, like, I, I know, like, growing up there, there was a part of me that I was missing. Right. You know? And so I decided, you know, I wanted to connect more so with my family and just, you know, just where I come from, my roots, you know what I'm saying? So that was one major part of it. And then, yeah, like, the music, like, I felt like I had way more opportunity, you know? Like, where we were growing up at, like, it's like you had this, like, stencil of how what steps you should take in order to you know evolve and it's just like I just didn't really believe in that you know I've always been the type to be like this is my future I'll take it into my own hands it's my life you know no one's gonna tell me what to do with it and so you know I kind of went back to where it all started you know and that played a huge part in it it's so funny that you mentioned the Bone Thugs um you mentioned the Bone Thugs concert because, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to draw it out too much, but I actually had a vision when I was still living there in Park Hills. I had a vision about my future and it revolved around the city and my music and all kind of shit. And it's crazy because like the vision that I had, like it, 
I didn't realize what it was at that period of time, but like the fact that I still remember every detail today yeah, and just where I am today, like it, it showed me that it was a vision, but I had a vision about my future and I knew that it required me leaving. Sure. You know, yeah. it required leaving AV, it required me leaving Park Hills. So. Right. Yeah. Once you got up in St. Louis, I'm sure there's some people that you, you hooked up with, maybe frequent collaborators, maybe, you know, maybe there's a mentor perhaps. Uh, in the scene, is there anybody in particular that you know that you could tell us about that really helped you once you got into St. Louis? Sheesh, it's so many. Um, I don't even know where to start. When I first, so when I first got up to St. Louis and I started doing the music shit, um, I ended up joining a group called Blended Image, where they actually encouraged me to sing R and B, yeah, more so versus rapping. And I was like, you know, me, I, you know, if I wasn't with, with y'all, my family's full of gangsters. Like, it's like, yeah. what the fuck I look like singing R&B, you know? <laughs> and then I, you know, even my mama a gangster. But, like, once I started getting into the R&B, I realized, like, oh, this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, the response that I was getting from the people and just how it made me feel, you know, just how singing made me feel. Right. I was like, okay, yeah. So definitely all the guys from Blend, Blended Image, you know what I'm saying? Like, they took me in. They taught me everything I needed to know, like the fundamentals of singing. Um, and then, like, I just started randomly singing in public places everywhere. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I ended up randomly meeting a guy. His name was Orlando. Um, he used to throw the um, the all-white um, cancer survival balls where he'd bring Nelly, Vivica Fox, like, all of the, like, a lot of celebrities to the city. He had his own yeah. label. Um in the city I ran into him he ended up being like later on in life when I first met him I randomly met him like in the Delmar Loop I was singing and then he you know he was like okay I'll see you you know and he, you know it was kind of one of those interactions but then like once he seen me later like I, I want to say like a year later yeah I find out like he had the plug to um the pageant he was like one yeah. of the main bookings for talent for the pageant so anytime like big groups or big artists came to St. Louis if I wanted to perform all I had to do was call Orlando he made sure I got on the ticket you know what I'm saying That's awesome. um, so he definitely played a huge part of me um, building my fan base um, and also just my family my cousins they had like one of the big like most popular tattoo shops in the city you know what I'm saying that so helps. everyone would come through there Yeah, um, we were pretty well connected with certain organizations like BMF and things like that. So, like, when rappers came to the city, right. a lot of them came through to the tattoo shop. And so, like, I got to build a bigger platform for myself even then because we were throwing parties in clubs and all kind of shit. So it's like right. I was always, like, put in the forefront, like, on display, you know, yeah. to just kind of help me build my persona and who I was and, and build my brand off of that you know Absolutely. what I'm saying so yeah so you, there's two different things that you mentioned of stuff that I've come across that you've done over the years uh, I noticed that you were singing it looked like to be in a bar or a restaurant or something kind of acapella style but a saxophone was playing with playing behind you a, a guy was playing saxophone and I think it was perhaps with regards to like a memorial or something to someone do you know what I'm referring to by chance I'm trying to think because I know we've had live bands a couple times. I want to say you're probably 
talking about the all-white, um, it was an all-white concert that we did a long time ago at the Rustic Goat. Rustic Goat sounds right venue-wise, but, well, I wanted to bring it up because it was just a different take on anything else that I'd ever seen you do before even. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, this guy was just kind of low-key, just playing some accentuating notes on the saxophone. You started it off singing a cappella all by yourself. And then mm-hmm. it was like you guys just started vibing together after a couple of minutes of getting in. It was just you and a saxophone, and you, it, I was captive, you know. You know, so that, again, that was just another thing that speaks to, you know, you're not a one-lane artist. You've got all kinds of abilities, you know. So, you know, and it's on YouTube. You can, if you're oh, yeah. looking for Brian Jones, <laughs> Jones Rose, uh, Jesus Rose, like Brian's all yeah. over the place. So Thanks. there's plenty of content out there for you folks to check out. But yeah, dude, I think that that really speaks to your abilities and just kind of who you are. You know, you don't say no to anything, too. You know, the only thing you turn down is the sheets, brother. <laughs> 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 but uh you know one thing i wanted to ask you too um were you signed at any point when you were in, in st louis was there any particular affiliation that you had up there yeah so one of the one of the biggest opportunities that i had in my life was i ended up getting signed with basically like a label management company super independent super small there's a um a lawyer his name is daniel brown one of the most genuine guys I've ever met in my life. Um, genuinely believed in me. Um, him and a guy, a producer named Willie Woods, they created a label called Risk Factor. Mm-hmm. And so that label, that's when people started seeing me make music videos and stuff like that because right. we started to begin to have like more investment. We started to have more, you know, just quality, I guess just quality people and situations and yeah timing and everything just opportunity that's the word that i was looking for quality opportunity right you know because those people had the plugs to you know the legal side of it the professional side of it you know what i'm saying they had access to producers they had their own recording studio you know what i'm saying but that was at still that was at a period of time where like my vocals were kind of rocky so it was like the producer was always like, you might as well stick to rapping. You can't even sing for real, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, you know, people just like you because you look good and this and that. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And I've read into that, too, man. You run into people sometimes that are just fucking hate themselves, quite frankly. And they, they take it out on people. They want to like squash everybody too. else's dreams. Like, right. anytime I've ever recorded an artist or, ever, or had good recording experiences myself, it's always... You know, I try to be like positively affirming them or like maybe we try this a different way, you know, more of a positive reinforcement. I've always had way better results than talking down to people. Right. You don't get, you know, you attract more bees with honey rather than smoke. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So, you know, you you don't need to. I don't think anywhere, anybody, and that's, you know, kind of like my management style too at work. Like I don't go around yelling at people. You get nothing done that way. Right. And then you lose the respect of the people that you're working with. It's counterintuitive. You know, (laughs) but you know, I, I wanted to highlight too, a large part of who you are, your package, fitness and nutrition. You're always looking good. Always keeping that dialed in. I know you're a gym rat. I know you go in early in the morning. 
usually yeah. in trying to get your workout knocked out first thing in the morning. I get up early too, so that's the, the most of the time we're messaging each other in the morning. But yeah. uh, but can you tell us kind of like what your routine is, uh, what kind of diet you're following? I know you're blessed with good genetics, but I know that there's going to be some folks interested in that stuff. Yeah, no, definitely um, the discipline is crucial because, you know, I, my brothers and I, like, we all kind of were the same when it comes to, like, naturally just being athletes. Like, we were just kind of blessed with that. But yeah. at the same time, like, because of that, our, our weight fluctuates up and down super easy. So right. the first thing definitely is just eating healthy. A lot of the time for me is just meat and vegetables. Like, I don't really... Right. I try my hardest not to eat bread, but I love bread so much. I bro. Hear you, it's, dude. Yeah. it's so good. Yeah. You know, and and then like what's even worse than that is like pastries. Why are they so fucking good? As, <laughs> someone, as, as someone that has no discipline, Saya, I no discipline at all. I understand your struggle. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. It's yeah, hard man. to beat like a hot and fresh pastry, that's for sure, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll fucking destroy my my favorite pastry. Is this thing called a brookie? I don't know if you guys have heard ever heard of a brookie, I don't know, but it's I'm a so. brownie and a cookie in one. Oh, oh like I, I've had that. I, yeah. I just didn't know that's what it I was didn't called. Know it was yeah. called either. Yeah, dude. Bro, one year, I uh, for Christmas I was broke, so I made everybody. <laughs> I made everybody some of those, but I got like the Gary Deli mix and shit. So it was oh, like high end stuff. Hard, yeah, yeah. And I fucking chopped that shit up, put it in tins, and gave it to like my mom and my sisters <laughs> for Christmas, and they were like. And my mom's even okay. diabetic, and dude, and she fucking destroyed it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I wanted to ask you too. I know you kind of talked about you did. We weren't really even sure how you procured some of your recording equipment and gear and all that type of stuff. Speaking of which, I was going to ask you like, what's your kind of go to? What's what's your workflow look like in a day for you? What kind of programs do you go to? Are you particular with mics? Do you got any, you know, things that you lanes that you go in specifically when it comes to that stuff <clears throat> honestly it just depends on the sound that i'm going for when it comes to my microphone right now i'm using the the neumann uh i don't remember which one this is the smaller neumann but we got it inside of a chaotic eyeball um i mean i flipped the camera around too because i'm always in this bitch but yeah we got the KRKs, the eights, the fives, we, you know, everything. Yeah. We run everything through an Avalon. I love I love the hardware more so than like just um, you know, the digital the uh, yeah. digital is cool, but like it's analog, it just sounds so good, you know. Oh, what I'm more saying? authentic like, sounding. It's got way more of a warmer sound. Right. Analog uh forces you to honestly be a better musician, I feel like right. an artist. You know, there's not there's a lot of there's a lot more blood, sweat, and tears that goes behind analog versus digital. Right. I always looked at digital as kind of cheating, but you got to be adept with digital to be an artist today too. So you can't mm -hmm. be too, you know, unless yeah. you're up in that you know obscene you know like Foo Fighters level or you know a big <laughs> like Snoop Dogg there you can make your demands, pick out all the green M and M's. Right. You know that sort of thing. Right. What you want. Love right. You have to be flexible this day right. and age. Yeah, I mean, but I, I mean, I don't mind it. You know, I went to school for the music production and engineering too, and they, they basically like taught me how to engineer my own self, which is something that I wanted to do for a very long time. Absolutely. So nine times out of ten, I'm in the studio by myself. So Pro Tools is my best friend. I love, I love Pro Tools, and you know, everything that 
Honestly, bro, like, <laughs> I don't know how I, to this day, bro, I'm a firm believer in manifestation. I'm a firm believer in, like, you know, creating your reality. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Positive affirmations. Not to say, and... not to say that, you know, it, well, I guess in a sense it isn't a, a type of magic, but, like, you kind of just, you know, when you want something, you make it happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. just, just no right. excuses. There's no fairy godmothers coming out of the sky to, you know, bestow these things on you. You know, nothing in life right. is given. You have to take it. You have to seize the opportunities for sure. Exactly. I, honestly, bro, like, my first rigs, you know, I actually still have the microphone. <clears throat> my first rigs, um, most of them were, like, equipment was just somehow just given to me i don't even some shit like this is one of the first microphones i still have it yeah. to this day yeah but uh like most of the stuff like it was just given to me bro i don't know how in the world <laughs> you know i just managed to acquire dope shit right and I know it was literally because God heard me being like, you know, okay, well, I'm tired of paying $75 an hour for quality studio time and this and that, and I can do it all myself. And I'm tired of telling the engineer how I want my vocals to sound. And, right. You know, I just I just got tired of all of these things. Absolutely. And, like, I started focusing on doing it myself, and, like, things started coming to me piece by piece. Of course, right. I made my own investments as well, but, you know, huh. some things it was just God, bro. I don't really... I wanted yeah. to talk to you about your schooling too. Did you not go to Nelly's uh, recording studio? It's, That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to the Extreme Institute um, one year, and then I ended up getting shot, and I stopped going to school because of it. And um, I took some time off, and then I realized that like, I was upset because I wasn't going to class because I loved Right. Going to school for music, you know, like, first of all, like in high school, you know, I was always smart. School was always easy. You know, I'm kind of, right. I kind of, I, I don't, honestly, I was suspended for a lot of it. I'm surprised I wasn't in alternative school for a lot of high school, but I still managed to fucking Do get well. good grades in high school. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, but, you know, in college, I was a 4.2 GPA director's list dean's list student like i just loved it you know what i'm saying like i used to yeah so after i got shot i stopped going for a while and then i just realized like man i really loved going to class for that you know like the things that i was learning and the people that i was around you know one you know i don't know how but it is going to sound kind of arrogant i hope it doesn't but like i always managed to like be ahead of the game you know what i'm saying like yeah. whereas like everyone was in the class like trying to figure out how to make beats my teacher was always coming to me like bro like who the fuck taught you how to make beats you know what i'm saying right crazy thing is though i was learning with everyone else i just loved it so much that like when i wasn't in class like i you was working figuring out how to perfect it you know i was a i loved mastering my craft you know when it came to even just like the terminology when it came to like pro tools and shortcut keys and all of the different things, like at that period of time, which a lot of that shit, I don't even really be using anymore. But, sure. you know, while I was in class, I was just so obsessed with figuring it all out myself and being my own boss that like, right. I just, I was ahead of my class. You know what I'm saying? Like it was easy for me to get to a point where like, I would literally like go to the class, take the test, hurry up and leave, like leave 
while everyone is still taking their tests, I leave the classroom to go to the studios. And while everyone's taking tests, you'll hear me knocking in the fucking studio. I got the speakers turned all the way up, blasting beats and (laughs) recording music. You know what I'm saying? Like in school, like like they, they knew, like niggas knew, like if I left class, I'm probably going to get up in the middle of class and leave. And if I do, I'm not coming back until it's time for me to get my book back. <laughs> yeah, sure. And then I'm in the studio locked in, like, you know, so it was dope, though. You know, I had people that like Carl Napa, Carl Napa, he produced for NSYNC. He had over 11 yeah. million records with NSYNC alone. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, my my music business coach, uh, teacher, He his name was Josh. He was signed with Young Money, Cash Money. He worked hand-in-hand with Birdman and all of them yeah. all the time. He loved, bro. He loved me. He was one of my favorite teachers, cool as hell. I had to smack a kid in his class one day, but, you know. Yeah, I hear he you, dude. still. Hey, man, you got to <laughs> put people in their place sometimes. You got to resort to that. <laughs> hey, uh... How did you end up in L.A., you know, from from St. Louis? And how long have you been out there now? I know it's been a few years now, right? Yeah, it's actually only been a year, man. Okay. It seems like it's been 10, but... Yeah. Bro, I'm going to tell you the craziest shit, right? So I moved to St. Louis, and, you know, we grinded it out, and I ended up getting a song. Uh, I featured on a record with an artist named Gusto, we had a song called Club Banger. Yeah, Mind you, this I've is like it. after I done built my own buzz in the city. So it's like, right. as far as R&B goes, like I took the over the R&B song, the R&B scene in the city just because like there was artists that were super talented, but like it was kind of like, I was always told like I had the full package. You know what I'm saying? Right. The, the image, the drive, the the talent, Same just the everything, you yeah. know? Yeah, you know, so like it was kind of like the R&B scene, like that was my scene, you know? So right. When it came to doing features, like, people hit me up and, you know, me and Gusto ended up having a song that grew legs and took off, which got me introduced to the real music industry, like, really locked in where we were getting music checks, you know, real music checks. You're starting to have to figure out, like, you know, at that period of time, we saw a lot of money, but, you know, that's because I hung out with drug dealers and, you know, it was just always cash. We didn't know that. When I somebody wires me twenty grand, they're finna, the bank's gonna take a big chunk out of my fucking money. You know what I'm right. saying? Like we, but we started making money. You know what I'm saying yeah. with the music shit. So For sure. I started traveling more, and I met this girl, and she was a model, she, an act, and an actress, and she was like deep in, in the industry, bro. Like I'm talking about Drake, Young Thug, fucking Ace Hood. It, honestly, any rapper that you can think of, she's been in their music video. She was a video vixen type shorty. She's I got you. Beautiful. Beautiful, G. Beautiful. I believe it. We, we had the same birthday. And so, like, when it was my birthday, I was on the Explorer page, and she ended up seeing me and commenting on my photo and telling me happy birthday and that we had the same birthday. And we just stayed locked in, and she actually ended up becoming my girlfriend. So for a year, I was flying out to L.A. visiting her, and she was flying back to St. Louis visiting me, and we were just locked in, you know? Um, and one day she was just like, I think you should move to L.A. Like, it will be good for your career. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you should, like, you, I, I think you've done as much as you can do in your city. Like, St. Louis is right. not, you know, where you're really going to, take advantage of your full potential so I was just like man like I went back and forth with myself for a minute but then I was just like you know what 
I'm gonna do it. Fuck it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And I, you know, honestly, she was right. I ended up linking up with a legend, um, and kind of changed my life. You know what I'm saying? Right. Hey man, it's couldn't have happened things. to a better person for sure, without question. So this yeah, was you hooking that. up with her about 2020. Is that is that right in the timeline? Yeah. Crazy enough, man. 2019, I was like pursuing music heavy, but I was sleeping in my car um, behind the Pepper Lounge downtown St. Louis, and that was like the summertime. And then like by December, I had got a single deal and. Mm-hmm. We got opportunities and started making some money. And, you know, by 2020, yeah, about 2020, I was flying back and forth from here to L, uh, from here to St. Louis, you know. Right. And then 2021, like smack dab in the middle of the pandemic is when I moved out here to L.A. Yeah. Well, the reason I ask you the year, because that's about the time that Love Hurts came out, right? Yeah. And I would yeah. assume that she was a lot of the inspiration behind that album that you did under yeah. just the Jones Rose moniker at the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I I messaged you and I told you how much I love that album. Yeah. I was I was talking it up before we got on the show to Josh. I'm like, man, I hope he fucking like incorporates this with his new singles and does a full length. Like this shit is so good. I was telling Josh, like you can fucking sell out stadiums with that dude. I appreciate I just, it. I'm bro. in love with it, man. The lyrics are fantastic. You know, I what I, I wanted to ask you, and I, I do want to get a little bit deeper into that album in particular, if you don't mind. Definitely. Um, but I know you released that under Jones Rose, and then the name changed to Jesus Rose. What was the cause for that as well? Man, uh, I mean, it's a combination of things, you know what I'm saying? I've always been like a very spiritual being when it comes to, you know, just me as a person you know what I'm saying like I've always kind of had like a pretty big heart regardless of like my bad attitude at times it was always out of love and that was kind of one thing like the selflessness people would recognize me for that and then like um you know just I can't deny like all of the blessings that came about you know I managed to do some things that almost seemed impossible a lot of the time like and I knew it wasn't just me it was kind of like a power that was outside of me but inside of me at the same time you know um so but it really like became my name when one day I came to the studio it's so far it's so crazy so I came to the studio okay so I moved to LA I meet um I meet I, I in a place where it's like I'm depressed because I'm like questioning if I made the right move I have no friends no family here you know like like I don't know what to do when it comes to like who to network with and just I just I'm just lost. You feel yeah, me? Like I'm surviving off of my savings account. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like it's the middle of the pandemic. I don't know if y'all know, but LA was like strict yes. when it came to yeah. the pandemic. Oh yeah. You yeah. Know? California. Uh, so yeah. I've got a buddy that lives out there still yet, uh Garrett Gatson. You might have remembered him. He was briefly a baby. <laughs> He lives out there. His girlfriend Diamond, and you might know, might know her. She was a pretty popular model, singer stuff in St. Louis, and she moved out there to pursue more opportunities as well. But uh, the two of them live out there, and he was always telling me how wild shit was on lockdown out there. Bro, it's crazy. And so like, imagine like trying to find guy. a job, right? And then to, you know, pursue the music in the music industry. The music industry was basically shut the fuck down. Like you could barely right. do anything. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And 
you know, they wanted me to be vaccinated. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, but I just cannot put this foreign substance in my body. No offense to anyone who feels like that was a good decision for them, but it just didn't seem like the right decision for me. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it made it even more harder because I wasn't vaccinated. Um, So I was just going through a tough time. And then, like, um, one day I was in the house and my girl was mad at me because she felt like I was, like, stuck in a victim mentality. So she went to Atlanta to to do some work. She was shooting some music videos in Atlanta. And while she was like, while I'm gone, you better figure this shit the fuck out. So I was just like, damn, like, you know, I I sat and I just talked to God and I was like, he like kind of cleared some shit up for me. Like, what the fuck are you tripping for? Like, you didn't just, you have over a million streams on a record that you freestyled for five seconds on. Like, you made big checks off of it. Not only that, but you made real connections in the industry. You have people in LA. What are you tripping for? So once I thought that to myself, I made some phone calls and they introduced me to this guy named Greedy Greg. And Greedy is, I don't know if you know who DJ Quick is. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. You know, Greedy Greg created DJ Quick. You know, DJ Quick's entire fucking career is attributed to Greedy Greg. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, um, and I've heard you shout and, him out in other interviews too. I know you did yeah. uh, like a, the Cooking in My Backyard or whatever that show's called. And that, yeah, I, Rappers in My Backyard. Yeah, rappers, Shouts rappers out to in Rappers backyard. in My Backyard. Oh, yeah. Um, but Greedy Greg basically, well, I called him up. Well, I called I called up a. a a guy from the marketing team from the label, he was like, well, I, I can introduce you to some people, but, you know, you got to show up and you got to show out. These guys ain't, you know, they don't they don't just fuck with everybody. So right. I was just like, all right, well, whoever you introduce me to, they're going to get the best of me, you know? Yeah. So he ended up calling Greedy at like 4 o'clock in the morning, and Greedy was like, all right, send him to the studio, 6 o'clock tomorrow. I was like, bet. You know, so I showed up with the bells and whistles on. Hell yeah. And apparently, Greedy had been retired from music for hellas, and he was just investing in movies and shit like that. He were, His wife works for FX. She's a writer-producer for FX. Wow. Um, yeah, so she worked on Snowfall, American Horror Story, yeah. Mayans, all kind of shit, bro. Like, nice. Yeah, so um, he kind of was in the movie and the TV industry. He kind of gave up on music, but when he met me, I kind of pulled him out. So like, and before me, it was like 40 artists that they had brought to him. And it was like, yo, like the A&Rs was bringing artists to him. He'd shut it down every time. He's like, nope, I yeah. don't want to work with artists. I'm done with music. I'm done with it. But 30 minutes in the studio with me, he was like, I want to work fire. with you. Yeah, let a fire on him. Yeah, so like from that moment, like. Every time people, every every time he'd be like, yeah, so I got this artist named Jones, the A&Rs would be like, you mean Jesus? Because it got to be Jesus that made you, you know, want to come back to the music ah. industry. We've been bringing you artists for you years and you keep turning them down. So every time my name came up, it was like, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And they kept saying it. So one day he looked, he looked at him and he was like, so what should his last name be? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's fantastic, dude. So I came in one day and it was like, "We're gonna call you Jesus. You need something that's gonna really, yeah, you know." And it kind of comes out with the double meaning too, with rose as well. Even though it's exactly. the spelling of the flower, you know, you still have those religious connotations and homages as exactly. well. Exactly. So it kind of ties everything because I know you're spiritual as well, and then that story. It's kind of wild how those two things came together yeah just everything honestly man like you don't realize it man but 
you know, every decision that you make, you know, is fueled, like, it's all fueled by your thoughts and, you know, the people that you come into into contact with. You don't, like, randomly run into those people. Those are people that, you know, you attracted. You know, God heard your prayers. He heard your thoughts. He heard your your wants and needs, what it is that you truly desired, and he granted it. And it's up to you to really, like, notice it so like every single opportunity and step and every trial and every test and every person and every situation they all led me up you don't realize what part they play until later on when you introspect and you go back and you think about it but they all led up to me being right here you know what i'm saying and and where i'm going to end up in the future it's all going to be you know basically predicated on the fact that i started here you know what i'm saying like And you never know what's good or what's bad or how it's going to affect your future until you get to your future. And then you realize, like, damn, I'm grateful for those moments, you know, because, you know, (laughs) where I'm at right now, bro, like I'm working with A-list celebrities every fucking day. You know, I don't work a regular job. nigga. I get to fucking go to work and shoot music. I'm tied in with all of the biggest production companies I don't work with. Ben Mark, I don't work with Lyrical Lemonade, I don't work with everybody. I done been right. mo- a model in so many music videos. Imagine getting paid to just come to the music video and just, just show being, up, hang out. You know, just, yeah, you know, just hang it. out. You know, <laughs> right. like I don't work yeah. with YG, I don't work with Mooski, I don't work with Mozzie, I don't work with. I was just on set the day before yesterday with, um, what's her name? Not Jordan Sparks, what's her name? Seven Streeter. You know, I just got a text. We're about to fly to Miami and shoot some music videos for some artists in Miami. Awesome, like, dude. hell yeah, dude! You know, it's crazy. You know, but it's all of the steps that got me here that was the most important part. And I think that's kind of where like the spirituality and you know, just my being, like, it all plays a part. You know? Yeah, I told you I was going to come back on this, and I, I got to dig in a little bit deeper because I'm I, I'm serious, man. I love the Love Hurts album. And there's definitely some themes going on on that album. Uh, You know, in particular, uh, I feel like there's a lot of vulnerability in that album. You're, you know, you're exposing yourself, you know, how to, how to love all day. Those tracks in particular are great examples of that. And uh, I kind of hit on a little bit earlier that your previous relationship is probably an inspiration about for that album in and of itself. Can you elaborate on that anymore? Every single record on that album was inspired by my previous relationship. There's not one record that was not inspired by it. Honestly, like, I love that record and hate it at the same time because I know for a fact that that album, I was literally, like, mapping out what was going to happen from start to finish in my relationship during that project because most of the stuff that happened in my relationship happened after I made that project. You know what I'm saying? Like, like when I, when I wrote, um, like it, it showed it basically like it started off like with a skit where I was like, I was always taught, you know, you lose, you'll, you'll lose all the money in the world. I mean, you'll gain all the women in the world chasing the bag, but you'll never lose, you know, your bag chasing. I mean, you'll, you'll lose your money chasing women. Right. And like, it was just so crazy because like, you know, I moved from 
you know, small town to L.A. where I'm dating a, one of the biggest models low-key in the industry at that period of time. She's used to a certain lifestyle that I wasn't even familiar with low-key. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, you know. And that has to come with its insecurities as well, you know. I'm sure that that came with its own, you know, challenges. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a, a million things that played a part. But, like, you know, before I even realized what it was going to be, <laughs> I basically spoke it into existence on that project. And then on how to love, you know, I had to be really honest and open about the fact that, you know, you know, be like, you know, my mom did everything for me and my brothers, right. you know what I'm saying? Right. I never really seen a healthy relationship or marriage right. or no shit like that. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So right. it was kind of like, you know, I needed, I kind of needed guidance on almost like what my role as a man was supposed to be in a relationship in a sense and just how to manage my emotions yeah. and just all kind of things. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it was, a. Uh, you know, just throughout that entire thing, like you'll get a real life story of what my relationship is. Cause right. You know, there's so much relatability on that album. Like I know that Josh could even elaborate because Josh essentially was raised by his mother and she went mm -hmm. to school to be a nurse, to do better for them in mm -hmm. the midst of working full time and going to school and then finally right. becoming an RN. But that wasn't even until toward the end of Josh's high school years. So there was a lot of hard times for Josh living inside of apartments so on and so oh, forth. Yeah, we hopped a lot of apartments. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I can speak for the relationship side of things because, you know, my mom and dad eventually divorced before my dad passing as well a few years down the road. But, uh, you know, they were quite frankly, they didn't have any business being married. They were constantly fighting. They were cut from two entirely different claws, total opposites. Yes, opposites mm -hmm. attract sometimes, but this was like toxic, you know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I find myself. Situation. Yeah, I found myself today. Even you know, I I'm married now and been mm -hmm. and been with Pam for 13 years, but it's like if you think you know it all, you don't. And there's always something to learn. There's always room for personal growth, and and it's easy to take advantage of people that are around you so much in that way too, because you have been given so much slack and the freedom to be yourself. You get so inside of yourself, though. Right. You don't consider those others around you and the impact that your actions, your words take, right. even if it's meant as an innocent comment or joke. Mm -hmm. And this even happens in short-term relationships, if you will. But, you know, there's a lot of, to get back to the record, there's a lot of relatability, and it talks about a lot of these themes, uh, specifically on Love Hurts. And I want to commend you for the lyrics, too. I mean, there's that's one thing in the R&B game. You have to have catchy, witty lyrics, so on and so forth. I know it's simple, but, like, Whenever you popped off with that line, when you're naked, you dress to kill. I was like, this motherfucker, <laughs> this son of a bitch, he's fucking turning them sheets down. You know? But uh, all day, I, I love, uh, it's probably my favorite on, on uh, I love them all. But the reason that that one connected with me so much, it just reminded me of young love and the excitement that comes with that. And then some of your lyrics, it's just the, the repetition creates an earworm. So there's a lot of things going on, you know, from a technical standpoint, musically there, too, to really sink the hooks in. And it's a short song. I think the runtime's like at three minutes, maybe a little bit under that. But, I mean, I can listen to that song on repeat for, you know, infinite amount of time because it just really struck a chord with me. It reminded me of the early incarnations of all my relationships and them getting off the ground. Uh, I think one of the lines is uh, something to the effect of, you know, we didn't even have a ride 
but we we were figuring out how to get together essentially was you know to paraphrase it's where that mm-hmm. where that was going you know so I, I that's another aspect of your artwork that you put out is the relatability that you bring to it yeah um crazy enough man all day was the very first record that I ever recorded for the Love Hurts project and I'll never forget it I had some producers that I went to school with came to my house and I had all the equipment in my house and they brought their equipment and we sat down in the basement and um I had my friend over she's a DJ her name's Kimmy New she was in the room with us and I was like what should we talk about and no no I was like okay so we create we I co-produced every single beat that you heard on there Mm -hmm. Uh, so out of all of the beats that we created Kimmy I was like Kimmy which which beat should we work on and she picked that one and I was like okay and then Solo was like so what do you feel on this and like right as he said that Stacy called me on FaceTime and I was like hey we in the studio session so do me a favor like I mean you can stay on the phone but just we working and I propped the phone up on my computer and I looked at her and then I just said You've been on my mind all day, all day, all day, all day. And then, like, from that moment, Kimmy was like, that's it. That's the hook. Like, that's that's what it is. And so, like, from that moment, I was just like, okay, I fuck with it, you know. And then, like, I started recording it. And then, you know, honestly, like, it's so crazy because I I don't write anything down. You know, I'm just now getting in the habit of, like, writing music Everything I do, I like. I freestyle it. I just record it right then and there. Right. Um, it was just crazy because it just came out like magic, you know. You Dude, know? It, it's phenomenal, and for you to reveal that now makes it even more phenomenal to me <laughs> that you just like fucking popped off with all that shit. That's incredible, dude. I also wanted to ask you, or actually point out this as well. I feel like with these newer singles that you have coming out too that there is a little bit of a shift musically. I mean, it's all still in R&B, but, mm-hmm. you know, like the bag, you know, that's very energetic. Uh, you know, and and then a food's a different, is a lane change from that as well. Is this something, is this something like methodically that you decided to do differently approaching these songs? Or is it just the natural progression? You never put that much thought into it? It's a combination of the two. Originally, Bag was like three years old, like two years, two, three years old. I didn't put it out yet. Um, I just had recorded it. Bag was one of them ones, too. Like, I was in the studio with Ashley Booker. Um, He's the producer of Bag, and he turned that beat on, and I loved it. And I just put the headphones in, and I was just like, you know, what are we going to talk about? You know what I'm saying? right, right, right. We had just went to the strip club with with the promoters for club banger we had just went to the strip club and like i know i took out like i only threw like two or three hundred of my own dollars but the promote the marketing team for club banger was there with us and they was giving us stacks of money like hey go throw that you know what i'm saying so like while we're performing on stage in the strip club we're like throwing crazy bread and it's like all 
naked women all around us you know what sure. i'm saying so it's like and me like i'm kind of debauchery going on <laughs> <laughs> like me though like me I, i'm not really a fan of the strip club because like i mean i love this chicken at the strip club i'm telling you the best chicken you can ever <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i just feel like I don't know, man. It's just something just like, why am I throwing money at this woman to do something that I could definitely have a woman just as fine do sure. for free? Yeah. It's just like, just didn't make sense to me. But then I started taking my girl to the strip club and I realized it's more fun when you take yes. your girl to the strip yeah. club, you know? It's funny that you mentioned the food at the strip club. Uh, there's a place called The Pony in like Southern Illinois and they had a fucking breakfast bar buffet. Yeah, that they yeah. advertise in the side of the highway. The, you talk about the little joint just across the river. Yeah, just right, right across the river. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they got like fucking aliens in like spaceship hot tubs and limos wild, outside dude. of it. Yeah, dude, it's fucking I, wild. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> that was lit. Yeah, it might actually be. I've I've talked down on it this entire time, but it's probably <laughs> fire. <laughs> yeah, now nah, bag is a. Uh... Back just so happened to like come out because of that moment at the strip club. It was just like another freestyle where I just reminisced on some shit and it was just like, right. you know, came out dope, you know. And me, I'm kind of cocky with my music, you know, especially when it comes to, you know, I kind of how I display myself. I, you you know, be. I display a lot of vulnerability. So sometimes I gotta, I gotta show my alter ego a little. Yeah, balance it out. So the bag's yeah. got over 100,000 streams on Spotify mm-hmm. alone. Uh, your Incredible official, work, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. And your, you. your music video on YouTube's got over 80,000 plays, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you about the music video in particular, the location of the shoot, the people involved. Who, I know you mentioned earlier that Ashley uh, Booker had produced it. Mm-hmm. So tell me about so, the music video. Oh, the club, the location, that's actually a, like a speakeasy, like ups upscale club in West Hollywood that I used to work at. I was, uh, I ran the security team for their, for their establishment for a while. So I got like pretty cool with the owners and, you know, it's normally like 20 K to rent out that club for a music video. Um, I was one of the first to do it and they gave it to me for free. You know what I'm saying? Dude, you can't beat that. Yeah. Um, the models, ironically, the there was two girls that were dancing on stripper poles. Yeah, the brown girl. That's that's my that's Stacy. That's the girl who I've been making all of the music about. Oh shit! All right. The, and so like she was a part of my music journey the whole time. Like she actually like for a while like when I wasn't making music, she was like pushing me like why the fuck are you not putting music out like she was damn near mad at me anywhere we yeah. went bro i don't give a fuck where we was we could be in the middle of the strip club in vegas she would disappear and then all of a sudden i'd hear my radio playing in the club and i'm like i mean my song playing in the club i'm like how the fuck did she do this you know what i'm saying <laughs> but she, she was she was beautiful and she was brilliant she knew how to use her power you know yeah yeah for sure <clears throat> yeah and then like there's a big there's a really big white guy in there in the yeah, video's name swole Swole is my man. He's a rapper, um, but he's also like, like real life bodybuilding champion. Like, yeah, he's stacked like a shit brick house. Like, <laughs> like trained by world famous like lift like power lifters. Like he's yeah. he's he's jacked. Deal. And so we, was, I was actually gonna have him be my security while I'm on the road, but 
I think he's a little too crazy. I might just, you know. Might hire that might- out <laughs> elsewhere. Yeah, man. And I, I actually, um, my boy Dada, he's from Chicago. He shoots videos for like King Louie. He shot some stuff for Chief Keef and a couple of the Chicago rappers. Um, me and him met randomly and just i loved his work he loved mine he's actually a producer also he produces a lot of my shit that y'all gonna hear so um he shot and edited nice. the video um i wrote the entire treatment you know i came up with the storyline i found the location i hired everyone paid everyone you know told him every, like i came up with everything myself like all he had to do was really just point the camera to be honest and it was pretty crazy you know what i'm saying Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Daryl Buchanan. Most know me as DJ Swerving Podcast on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Check in every Sunday for the episodes. We got a new podcast called the Big Hungry and Swerve Movie Podcast. I'll be every Wednesday on the same platform. Be sure to check that out. Also, got a detailing business. Be sure to check that out. Swerve Auto Detail on Facebook, Instagram. My phone number is 573 327 1473. I run rates at 125 for a full inside and out detail. Have a summer package, you can get you five cleans for $225. Like I said, that's Swerve Auto Details on Facebook and Instagram. And I'm your boy, Swerving Podcast, baby. I was going to ask you next about food. Now, this track's got some straight up D'Angelo vibes, I think. And uh, you got a higher register vocally that you're hitting on the track. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's lyrically like Brown Sugar from D'Angelo, but it also meets the feel like musically and the vibe of Untitled. How does it feel? Like, oh, cool. I think you're definitely dialing in some D'Angelo vibes on that track. <laughs> so it's so funny that you say that because for the music video for food we was literally going to remake the how does it feel music video just because it's super easy low budget you know what i'm saying like i got the i got the shape was going to add some new school flair to it i was going to have a bunch of diamonds on you know what i'm saying and shit but like for the most part we just going to remake that and then we was just like i mean we could do that but like we kind of we might spice it up a little bit i actually just had a meeting with the videographer this morning because we're about to start shooting the videos yeah for all of the new music that's about to come out. And we was like, well, we need one for for food. But, like, we haven't even, like, kept pushing the marketing for food because food is such a asked about record that, like, we can't fumble it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it can't be bullshitted. Like, that's, like, a top-tier record. So, like, we kind of paused on it for a minute, and then we're about to, like, go full throttle once the recording of the video happens. So I got to so, ask you, what what's food about? Because you're, you're talking about <laughs> eating and something about people coming. Where are they coming to? Like, what's that all about? <laughs> you I think speak you know what talking terms. about, boy. I'm talking about eat that pussy. You know? <laughs> ah. Ah. So you, you must know something about this, uh, this mystery that is the female orgasm. Hey, man, I'm going to tell you like this. <laughs> You got it. <laughs> you, knew, you knew I had to come in and ask you the most white question ever. Right. <laughs> teach, us, teach us the way. I'm dead. Yeah, man, for real. I ain't going to lie to you, fool. Every time, first of all, the album art, 
always gets the women's attention. I don't know if you like oh. really paid attention to the album art, but like Definitely. the album art always makes people be like, wait, hold the fuck up. Who's like, this? what is this? You yeah, know? Yeah. And then they hear the notes that I'm hitting and the women just be melting full. It just be so crazy. I'm sure, man. It's I, funny you I'm say sure. that because like I, I told my wife you were going to be on the episode and she's like, oh, yeah, let me hear it. So I showed the music video. And she's like, oh, hey, who's this? And I'm like, oh, here we go. Here we go, man. Here yeah, we go. <laughs> for sure. He's easy on the eyes, ladies. So check him out. It's a blessing, man. <laughs> so you kind of alluded to this earlier bag and food are your two new, new singles and you've got some new material on the horizon is there a chance that you're going to reincorporate some stuff from the previous record are you doing all new stuff here what's what's the game plan oh i'm gonna be honest with you like when i so i originally mixed and mastered all of the old project you know, like, yeah. like and then like i just rushed and put it out um it was just like to basically like let myself know like bro like you can do this on your own you know what i'm saying like once again going back to that boss mentality of right you know, not you know not relying on someone else to get the job done for me and not making any excuses just getting it done so like but i realize now with the quality of music that i'm putting out now that there's a lot of things that i could have done differently so i definitely want to remaster some of the things that was on the old project and i want to incorporate them on the new um i'm happy i'm I'm happy about that not that you have to please me because (laughs) i I thought i saw you put up a little snippet of a video where you were working on one of them songs on that record and i'm like this motherfucker's gonna bring this back and i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to get a copy of that uh, it's definitely some stuff coming back from that project that's one of my favorite projects i've ever created like because it is like a lot of vulnerability and just a lot of um just the flow and like the storyline and just the reality of it all. It was just like hard for me to not fall in love with that project. Yeah. You know, so, and I just feel like it can get re- like how you said, like it can reach heights like that. I never saw at the period of time that right. I released it. So now I'm like, why would I like keep it there? I might as well just remaster it. And right. And you've got, a, you've got a new network now where you're at and, you know, you didn't have those same capacities and abilities uh, whenever you originally did that, as you mm-hmm. mentioned in our conversation today. So I feel like maybe you're going to have the right platform this time to broadcast that out and really yeah. get the notoriety that you deserve. Not to say that you don't already, you're doing very well for yourself, but, you know, I, I think that you're really about to take off even more so into the stratosphere. I'm going to say this, man, like, I can't complain. God has managed to, even in the darkest moments, like, God has managed to, like, show me, like, just don't give up because you'll you'll be three feet from gold. I don't know if y'all know the story about the three feet from gold, but you'll be three feet from gold if you give up. You won't even realize how close you were to making it happen. You know what I'm saying? So every day, like, I just wake up and... I find myself in the studio somehow, even if I'm not recording music, I just find myself here, you know, and I believe in the process. I trust the process. I don't really follow the norm. Like everyone's like, get on TikTok and do this on Instagram and like find all of those clout routes where it's just like, there's no longevity in that. You know what I'm saying? Right. You're popping a temporary number is what you're doing and stuff like that. It's not to say it doesn't have its day in the sun or a time, place and manner or whatever, but it's not, it's not long lasting. Right. You know, exactly. exactly. And I, and I feel like, you know, 
I'm blessed enough to where, you know, when I drop, people listen. You know what I'm saying? Right, so right. like, I can't really complain too much about that. Like, I just gotta trust the process. So, you know. You know, speaking about <laughs> social media, uh, obviously we noticed your presence on there. I got a, quite a few followers on Instagram in particular, but. A relevant discussion topic I felt like is too because we're not far in age from each other either, but mm. how and I and I can speak to this from my own personal experiences how social media and the progression of social media has affected the music business and obviously progressions oh, right. of technology and everything else right. as well. You know, have you noticed any effects that social media has had on your career in particular? Obviously, it's the biggest marketing tool that all of us use, but right. you know, can you elaborate on that for us? Honestly, social media is a blessing and a curse, man. It's yeah. a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because, like, it is the best, freest marketing tool that you can possibly use. You'll still, if you're really serious, you'll still end up spending money on marketing. But the amount right. of people that you reach through social media, like, is crazy. Like, you, I have fans in my, one of my biggest fan bases is, two of my biggest fan bases right now, one is India, which which random as hell. And then the other is in Germany. They love my music in Germany. Overseas, I know for a fact that my biggest fan base is overseas, crazy enough. And then now it's like in my city, bro, like, because I marketed hard for my city through social media. Right. And like in my city, there's nowhere that I can go where people don't know me. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like any club owner, any promoter, any DJ, any artist, any model, anybody that's in this industry, period, like, they know my name, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm blessed where we can walk into places where back in the day I would have had to stand in a line and might not even get in. Now they just be like, oh, let him in. You know, that's broke. You right. know, I'm shaking hands with great people, and that's all because of social media. More money. I've made so much money off social media, bro. Like, just features alone. I've, my first, like, $1,000-plus feature I made because a guy that I never met in my entire life heard my music on social media and was like, yo, like, I got to work with you. I'm like, okay, well, it's $1,200 for you know, a feature. And at that period of time, I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to charge him $1,200 for yeah. a feature. He's going to yeah. pay it. You know, like yeah. at that period of time, that was crazy to me. But like, right. you know, that's because of social media. You know what I'm saying? But it's a curse too, because it, it makes you, it makes you not work as hard as you need to, as far as yourself, right. you know, right. your person, you know what I'm saying? Right. Your, that the the soul of you, your mind, like your essence, right? What you can betray and what you really are. You know what I mean? Exactly. I, speaking you know? of features, I did a deep dive to see you know some other artists that you had collaborated with. I heard the thing that you mentioned earlier as well. One thing I want to say, and this is not speaking ill of anybody that you did a feature for, mm -hmm. but your work definitely stands out in their tracks, and that's the that's obviously the intent of having a feature, mind you, but. You know, you listen to a major label artist and, and you hear, let's say, a Chris Brown record and there's a feature from Buster Rhymes. Well, you know it's Buster Rhymes is on there. You know, you know what you're about to hear. Right. And you expect greatness from all parties involved. But, you know, whenever people are listening to these other artists that you hopped on the tracks for, they're listening to hear that artist. And I feel like if th that's their first exposure to you, that you stand out like a sore thumb, but in a good way because of your talent, you know, you have a unique approach to R&B. I feel like R&B's got a little bit muddied up over the years, and honestly, it's been kind of like the bastard child of, uh, of the music industry, you know, because it got such a bad rap. The boy bands, 
that basically took over the industry. You know, everything was controlled by two or three producers for a while. You know, the the, the industry just kind of ran amok of the genre in particular. And I feel like you, I'm not saying you're reinventing the game, but you're definitely bringing a different element to the game. You know, there's clarity in your voice. I think that you appeal to everybody. Um, and you really, obviously, again, getting back to the features thing, you, you stand out on all those features, brother. <laughs> you killed it. I appreciate you. It's so funny that you said that, like, that's one of those things where I check my ego every time because, like, when I'm about to do a feature, my mindset is, like, well, I charge this person for this feature, so if I don't do my job on it, like, that's bad. Yeah. But then, like, I always go to the extreme of, but now this is my song. Like, I have to body this. Like, when people listen right. to it, they have to listen to it because they want to hear me. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? Like, and I always body. I never forget, bro. Like, I was in live i was walking on hollywood boulevard there's a footlocker over there where like they always get the jordans and then like the first day they'll get the jordans and they'll sell out and then like a couple days later they'll get a restock and like most people don't realize that they'll get a restock of the jordans that everyone wants they sell out they stand in line forever for so i always just wait for the next restock and then i'll go and get my jordans you know what i'm saying so there was a particular pair that i wanted and i went and i didn't have my size and then I tried on a couple of their shoes and I wasn't happy and I was like fuck like I was pissed because like that's kind of like my thing you know like it's like sure. part of my ritual Absolutely. You know? so like I was gonna leave the store and then club banger come on in fucking Foot Locker while I'm in there you know what I'm saying and I'm like <laughs> what the fuck like yeah. you know I, it's, it's one thing whenever you're like getting videos from all over the fucking world of people being like yo like I'm in Foot Locker right now and club banger just came on and they're sending me videos on Instagram like right. that's one thing cause that's dope as fuck right but it's another thing when you're in the store and it's your song. Like, you're in there. These people don't even realize, like, right. who you are, you know, because you haven't really reached that level yet. You right, know what right. I'm saying? But, like, my part come on and, like, holy, I'm like, holy shit. So I instantly get on my phone and I'm, like, taking a video. And the guy's like, oh, shit, this is you? And I was like, yeah. He was like, are you the second verse? And I was like, yeah. He was like, bro, you killed that, man. Hell That's yeah. my favorite verse on the song. Yeah. Like, like, and... I don't know, bro. Like, I've, I'm always a, and you already know this, but I've always been like a competitive person. Like, yeah, you know, but it's a good I've competitive. Like, yeah, you know, I want to be the best. I, when it came to hooping, where there was nobody that was faster than me, there was nobody that was strong. I was not going for it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, when it came to playing the drums, you already know how it was. When it came to that shit, yeah. I wanted to be the best of the best. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like anything so like when it comes to this music shit it's like that times a billion if i'm doing a feature this is my song like yeah so i appreciate that and that talk, confirms yeah for sure brother and you're you're killing it in every avenue and you know going from that social media talk i i have to hit on this while we're on the social media talk i know you know around the pandemic and all the dark times that were going on and all the bullshit quite frankly that was taking place you know with the atrocities of killings of George Floyd, Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, just to name a few. You mm-hmm. did some live broadcasts and kind mm-hmm. of speaking out against that. And I, I, we had talked a little bit right after you do, had done one of them. And mm-hmm. I commended you for, you know, like just going after people and just being like, you know, hey, tell me how this wasn't racism. Tell me how this man wasn't murdered in the streets. Tell me. And I noticed that there was a lot of people in particular that hopped on your feed from like, you know, the Farmington, Central, Park Hills, Arcadia Valley area. And they were being a little 
combative, if you will. And you were, you were doing a really good job of keeping up with everybody in your chat feed. I mean, it was blowing up, but you were like addressing everybody's bullshit, especially if it was bullshit. You know, if somebody was like, Oh, we love you, Brian. You know, people would just hop in and be like, Oh, we love you, Brian. We hear you. And you, and you were just like shouting everybody out. But if somebody, you caught it every time that some fucking bullshit came across the screen and snuffed it out. I wanted to commend the work that you did there too. But I mean, I guess maybe you just got caught up in the motion of it and that's what propelled you to doing it, doing it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I experienced that shit firsthand. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't, you know, what people didn't know was happening was, like, like I was getting bullets in my locker. You know what I'm saying? Like, there was times where, like, just there was some crazy shit. Like, at one point, there was a kid who was in the hospital, coma, like, fucked up over that racist shit where he had to... He had to catch these hands, you know what I'm saying? And then, like, his mom was my lunch lady, and I would go through the lunch line, and she would just bust into tears. And, like, like the teachers would see people doing racist-ass shit, and there would never be repercussions behind those actions. It seemed like I was always the one that was suspended, or I was always— Like, even with the situation with me and niggas, when, like, they had a truck—they had trucks full of kids— that was calling me and my brothers out. It was only me, me, Jermaine Diamond, Carlton, and Alvon. It was us, like, yeah. and Carlton's, and Alvon's little baby brothers. Like, they're, they're not even out of middle school yet. They're with right. us. And we're surrounded by these kids trying to fight us. And I didn't, I mean, everyone knows what happened to one of them. You know what I'm right. saying? And then, like, it was like a spot, like, from that moment on, it was like war. Every right. day that, every day we was fighting, every day. Until we was ran out of the school, like I had to go to a whole nother school, G. Yeah, over racism. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, well, one you thing know, you haven't hit on, and I can cut it out if you don't want me to bring it up, but the noose thing that took place too. Whenever you got that noose thrown up on your guys' doorstep, I remember that vividly. Yeah, because you were the noose on my porch, the noose yeah. on the on the basketball court. They spray painted swastikas and KKK and all kind of shit. We took the evidence. We took everything to the cops. The cops did absolutely nothing. Um, luckily, my mom took photos of it on a digital um, camera because if she wouldn't have, there would have been no evidence. We had to get repre- I had to get represented by the NAACP. The NAACP had to get me in a, a lawyer because you know we wasn't making enough money to pay for it. right. A lawyer and we was I was being tried as an adult. You were a kid. You know, I was no. still a kid and they was right. trying they was trying me as an adult. You know, so like over self defense, like I was defending myself. You know what I'm saying? Like I was defending me and my brothers. Right. You know, like I remember one day we was walking home from groceries and, you know, a truck full of boys um, you know, pointed a gun out the out the truck and was like, drop it, niggers, and scared the hell out of me and my brothers, you know, because like I don't know. It's just crazy, bro. Like I couldn't walk around my town. I got, like, I grew up in Ironton, bro. I played ball in Ironton. I had right. family that, you know, we was all like, I just, I don't know. It didn't make sense to me because I was actually the most, I'm the least, I was to, in my eyes, I was the least problematic kid. Like I didn't go looking for shit. Right. You know what I'm saying? You just wasn't finna make me do what you wanted me to do. Like leave me the fuck along. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. To see all of the things that was happening in the world and it being so blatantly obvious, you know what I'm saying? Like right. you're literally watching someone's recorded this on their phone and you're watching it happen with your own eyes. Right. And for you to like not have any empathy for that, right? You know, or or for that person or the people that it affected, it was just crazy right. to me. Yeah. So that's um, kind of an interesting thing, is too. I wanted to bring up. I think that. 
you know, there's a lot of virtue signaling that go on. And this is a difficult discussion for people to have. I have no problem having it with you. I think a lot of white people do a lot of virtue, virtue signaling. They try to act like that they can understand what black people have been through, African-Americans, people of mixed ethnicities, you know, minorities of any sort. They can't. It's yeah. not possible. We can be sympathetic, but we really can't be we can't empathetic. Speak to it, right? You know, we can't put it into action in the sense of you know, it 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 doesn't happen to us, and it hasn't happened to me, quite frankly. I mean, I've had people say racist things to me about me, but it's easy for me because I've been the in the majority my entire life. Right. You know, so I find it kind of comical if somebody comes at me with that type of comic. And my opinion has always been like. I probably my people probably deserve something like that at this point, you well, know, and for, for hundreds me, of years of oppression, you know, is absurd. And for me, I think that's why it's so important to have these conversations, continuing to have these types of conversations, as, you know. And it's clearly still an issue present day. Oh, absolutely. With the things we just mentioned, and there's tons of things that's even happened since. It's hard to even keep up with it, you know, constantly. And we, I think there is definitely a need for addressing police reform in particular. You know, there was a movement a few years back. It was like, we're going to believe in women, the, the Me Too movement. But, and I'm not trying to discredit that, but, you know, still yet, are we listening to black voices? Because I, I, I really feel like we're not, quite frankly. Right. Yes, the George Floyd thing did change a lot, but unfortunately that had to happen to make changes, you know? And it's not worth a person's life, life for that to have had to have happened, you know, fortunately and unfortunately. Right. You know, at least yeah. things are starting to move in a direction that they need to, but we're still not where we need to be. It's like, and the thing is, like, for a very long time, like, I was upset because I felt like, you know, and this is going to be a pretty crazy perspective for, you know, people to hear me say, but for a while I was, like, really, really upset because I felt like people didn't really care. But then, like, I just kind of stopped caring if people cared. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, history has a way of doing what it's supposed to do. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And what people don't realize is there's a bigger picture between, behind all of this. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. um, there's a reason why, you know, African-Americans particularly, you know what I'm saying, are targeted the way that they are and treated the way that they are and why they're kept on a, on a lower vibration. There's a reason why, you know what I'm saying? I'm not really going to go into the details as to why, but like I realize now that the only way things can really change is it has to start within my community first. Like it has to start within like our culture first. You know, we can't really do anything about, for example, like Black Lives Matter. Like I'm going to be real with you. Like I was never a fan of Black Lives Matter, the organization. I'm not a fan of sure. them they don't do anything for the community it's another you know political organization that's controlled by money you know and that's what happens when you get with these political action committees and right. what have you it, 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 once you introduce politics into things that's when things start getting sticky right exactly so like like once you start to see that we're being exploited for our resources like our right. energy like you're using black lives matter as an opportunity to capitalize off of the deaths of our people and the, right. the bullshit, you know what I'm saying? And then like, not only that, but like the media twisting shit to make it seem a type right. of way made it right. so crazy. Cause like I've been smack dab in the middle of them protests. You know what I'm saying? I've been there. Right. I've been, I've seen like people talk about Antifa and all of that shit, bro. Like I seen 
the white like the white boys in the big ass boots with the all black on like fucking shit up and then you'll see the black people trying to stop them from fucking shit up because right. it's making them look bad you know what right. i'm saying like i've seen I've, I've realized that a lot of the people that did a lot of the looting people don't even realize most of them people was from out of town they weren't from here you know they wasn't from st right. louis they wasn't from ferguson you know what i'm saying like like it was so much weird ass shit and then you really start to like see what's going on when you start to see like black people in political power in St. Louis like sometimes like their people were being killed you know what I'm saying or you know just it was just a lot I don't really want to speak on too much because I feel like you know you know when when you're when you're black and you're and you're aiming for a position of power and you speak about things you, you something no, happens to you a lot of the time and I feel like I'm going in the direction where it's like I have the ability to affect my people how I need to I'm not gonna fuck it up before I get there if anything y'all gonna have to kill me at the height of my career where I'm able to actually feed my people how I need to feed them yeah. you know what I'm saying but like yeah. to be all the way honest bro like it's a lot of weird backwards ass shit that people don't even realize is going on so you know but to speak on it on social media like it just I had to because like you know I'm, I hate I didn't want to I didn't want to do it because I hate the attention that comes behind it because I'm not really, even though I'm an artist, I'm not really an attention person. I feel like when I'm performing, like, that's like another person that you guys are experiencing. That's not me personally. That's not my emotional self. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not the direct, you know, connection to my soul. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of like... That's an extension of of yourself. Yeah, you know, I gave that to you. You know what I'm saying? So, like, but when it comes to, like, that, you know, you get to see me, my real emotion, my real thoughts, my real everything and how it affects me. And I don't really believe in exposing those weaknesses to my enemies, especially. And I feel like a lot of those people that we, you know, in those towns that look, think the way that they think and, you know, believe how they believe. I, I view them as my enemies. You know, I don't I don't view them as just people who, right. oh, they just got different beliefs. No, those are my enemies. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a it's a primitive mindset, and it's difficult to combat ignorance. Ignorance is the lack of knowledge, and some people turn a deaf ear to that. They don't want to mm-hmm. be educated. Well, a lack of education turns into, um, you know, following cult movements. Lack of education turns into absolutely, you know, neo Nazi beliefs. Yep. Lack of education turns into, you know, the inability to think for yourself. And once you are at the will of someone else's control, right. you are then their soldier, yep. you are then their servant. It's that gay then, mentality. Exactly. So and once you become that, you're a bot, you're a robot. You're you're the you're the opposition. So I wanted to turn back into your work and talk about some of the collaborations that you'd been on previously. We hit on that briefly. And you also talked about the group that kind of springboarded your career in St. Louis. Is there any other stuff that you have in the works as far as collabs are concerned that you can talk about? Well, I've collabed collabed with some really dope producers. I'll say that. Um, I'd say the producers for sure. My man, Corey. Corey's done stuff for B2K, Beyonce, a lot of people. (laughs) I would say uh, my boy Dada Dada's done things for everyone you know in the rap industry all of the Chicago drill rappers all of them Dada's produced like 80% of the the new music that I have right now Um, as far as like 
features. I don't know if I can really disclose those right now. <laughs> right on, man. That's okay. So, <laughs> I just said you gotta, you gotta, you gotta wait a little bit. But there's definitely like some label talk um, in the in the works right now. Well, good. I don't really believe in like exposing too much until it's inked and on paper. Absolutely. You know? For sure. So, definitely um, happy for you, though. Yeah, but we there's don't. definitely some real conversations in the works right now. We're kind of fishing because the platform that we have mixed with um, just the connections that Greedy have, you know. Yeah. And I done managed to do some dope shit. Nipsey Hussle is one of my favorite artists in this entire Absolutely. world. I'll say this because Nipsey isn't an artist. I don't, I don't know if I plan on dropping this record anytime soon, but like... I used to talk about having a feature with Nipsey all the time, bro. Like, he was just someone that I, like, looked right. up to so heavy, you know, and now I have a Nipsey also feature. You know, Nipsey used to come to this very studio, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So, Well, Nipsey's like, kind of like one of those guys that's a rapper's rapper. Like, I, I didn't, he didn't have the impact on me immediately, and I revisited his stuff after he passed because I saw so many people talking about him. I was like... I didn't realize his greatness, you know, whenever I actually sat down, played a, an album from start to finish. And I feel like that's what you have to do with artists is actually give them their, their due. You really do need to listen to an album from start to finish to at least give them a chance. I right. try to give everybody a chance. Well, even kind of have an input on an artist. If you're going to like even talk about an album, right. you have to listen to the whole album. In right. My opinion. Definitely. Yeah, so I will say I will disclose that feature because I don't even know if that song's going to come out because all of the legal stuff that's going on with him. I I might drop it on YouTube, and when I do, it'll be like a random like YouTube snippet like, or a YouTube song that I drop. It sure. probably won't be on Apple Music. I might do it like on SoundCloud just so people can have it. You know what I'm saying? But um, that's definitely a feature. Um, and then you know. There's some there's some legends that are definitely being uh, featured on the next bodies of work, and then some legends though. Like they're not the new. I don't really I don't really resonate too well with like a lot of the new guys, man. I feel like they saying a bunch of bullshit. You know, I like real music and for sure. You know, all of the 808s. I love 808s and shit, but like I like real music. Oh, like yeah. I kind of stepped out of the, you know the auto-tune and, uh, you know, right, right. all of the sense and all of the shit that's It's all kinda, played out. Yeah, it's inorganic, you know what I'm saying? There's no emotion. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The shit that I'm making now is Grammy music. The shit that I'm making now got labels banging on, banging on our doors, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and then I'm also doing a lot of collaborations with, like, influencers, like TikTok influencers and things like that. There'll be so more so with, like... Yeah music videos and marketing materials and things like that. Um, I got a couple clients that are dope. Um, yeah, it's going to be some dope shit coming. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. Hey, yeah. so who? what's next for you, man? Man, honestly, I'm going to say this, man. We got a lot of singles um, coming. I, I have actually... Uh, a poster right here it has a thousand sticky notes on it and it's just like the plan that we have mapped out for the we'll probably have like four EPs dropped this year um I was gonna release an EP like last month but right now we're having some opportunities that my my, my I'm gonna be honest like we just feel like the music that we have is bigger than the budget that we have accumulated so far, we feel like we can 
have a more of an opportunity to really take it all the way there with the backing of a label. So we are, we're kind of like deciphering through, we're, we're, we're sifting through emails and phone calls because we have them here now. It's just like now what suits, what fits best for us. You know what I'm saying? So we have a lot of bodies of work on this board. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Lots of music videos. You guys are definitely about to get some music videos. Actually working on a movie right now. Um, It's called Blizzard Summer. It's about a boy who grew up in in New Orleans in a very super like superstitious household. Um, His mom told him not to ever accept shoes from a woman because if you do, then you'll end up walking out of her life. And his mom bought shoes for his dad, and his dad walked out of his life. So ever since then, like, he's just been super superstitious. Ah, and so he moved to Hollywood, and he becomes a rapper. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for him to really elevate in the music game because of all of the superstitions that he has in his head in regards to the right. music industry, which, if you know anything about the music industry, it's it's deeper than, you know, what people really know it's it's a lot of spiritual shit that's connected to it and depending on the circles that you're around and a lot of superstition and most of the people in the industry are weird bro like i don't like i've seen some weird shadow been i done been at the craziest hollywood parties right i done been (laughs) at parties where it's like you walk in and you're like i don't really know if i'm supposed to be here like it's just so crazy you feel me it's nuts but Right, right. Lots of dope music and movies and all kind of shit. <laughs> you know what I'm so saying? So before we uh, wrap it up, I got to ask you, who else is coming up in the rap game or R&B that we need to check out? Somebody that I fuck with heavy right now is Lucky Day. Lucky Day is a dope artist. Um, R&B-wise, he's going back to like the old vibes and then like he's kind of he's he's well crafted i like the way that they are packaging him as far as like his image and just his style of music he's also an older artist he's like 33 34 no he got he won his first grammy at 36 you know so it kind of like breaks that stigma of having to be a certain age or you know super young in order to be successful in the music industry like you know, he's kind of putting on for the people who make quality music. Um, I would also say, sheesh, that's hard. I'm fucked up because I still listen to like all of the old shit. You know what I'm saying? Like sure, I still me too. love yeah. all of the old shit. Yeah. Uh, I would say, you know, all of the lady, all of the female R&B artists are turned up. Kaylani's turned up. SZA. Um, Hell yeah. Yep. Doja Cat. Sis is the hottest woman in the world right now. Sis is so fine, boy. You know Sis is from St. Louis. Yeah. I did not know yes, that. Yes, I do. Yeah. I didn't yeah, know Sis that. is from St. Louis. So, like, you know, that that's dope. Oh, I'm going to tell you another artist. There's an artist named Smino. I don't know if y'all have heard of Smino. Smino's, like, collab with J. Cole. He's on Lucky Day's new album. Yeah. Um, Smino's dope as hell. Yeah. But he's also from St. Louis. He's blowing up right now. Yeah. Um, so uh, for the show open, I actually allude to a few St. Louis artists, mm-hmm. and I, I name drop Smino in there. Yeah, 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 Smino is definitely one of them. Me and his brother is actually really cool. So like, his brother come over here, and we'll just sit in there and talk business and music, and he'll smoke a thousand blunts yeah. and 
we'll play music. Sometimes <laughs> we'll create, you know, but for the most part, now we you're just, talking my game. Yeah, now you're speaking our language, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know what's crazy, bro? Like I don't smoke. You know what I'm saying? Like even back in the day, I barely smoked. I don't know if you remember that. Like I barely smoked. I don't really drink or anything like that. But I'll tell you what I do love. I love mushrooms, bro. Oh hell yeah, son. <laughs> I love mushrooms, bro. Like, the way that I think whenever I'm, like, tripping is just so different. I done wrote some of the, like, some of the best music I've ever written after a trip. You know what I'm saying? I can't ever create during a trip because I'm just so in the moment. You know what I'm saying? But afterwards, bro, it's like something is just, like, sparks all of the creativity. And I always have these aha moments. You know what I'm saying? Like all the time, but we can have that conversation another time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hear you. Man. Now, you know. one thing with shrooms, actually, I've got a friend that's got really bad anxiety, like crippling, and microdosing has changed his life. Yeah. So I've they, actually you know, heard people, about that. Like, I think like Washington State and Oregon, they're actually allowing yeah. pharmaceutical companies to produce. Yeah, magic mushrooms yeah. for yeah. treatment. So, but you know, like when once the pharmaceutical companies get involved, oh, yeah. you kind of yeah. got to be careful. It's a for profit you know system, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you it's know, not so much about so care. I really like. I just I try to stick with anything that's natural. I don't really right. I don't really fuck with it. you know. You know, I'm in L.A., bro. So like, right? You no, know everyone smokes weed, bro. Here, you can go to a fucking dispensary, and it's like. Weed, we we grow weed outside the studio. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. great weed, by the way. <laughs> but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just I don't fuck with the pharmaceutical shit, man. Yeah, yeah, me neither. I'm, I try not to anyway, I need, <laughs> unless I have to. Right, right. I'd be so so nervous, bro. Like, I know I've had bad trips on mushrooms. Like, like. I always loved them afterwards. I always realized that they're an uh, extremely beautiful experience afterwards but in the moment i'd be like sure i hate it you yeah. know what i'm saying yeah so i could only imagine what some pharmaceutical mushrooms are going to make me feel like <laughs> yeah for sure i don't want to know <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i'm i'm extremely grateful that you guys have me on the podcast bro to, to oh, be able yeah to thank you for the time i appreciate it oh, we're forever grateful for you coming on yeah like this this is a. I've done interviews with people often. I, I've done a lot of interviews with people, but like this one is special to me. You know what I'm saying? So I, I truly appreciate it. We appreciate you coming oh, yeah, on, man, for yeah. sure. You know, I love you, brother. I'm rooting for you. Better things couldn't happen to a better guy. Yeah, I'm so excited for your journey, man. See you grow and blossom. I appreciate it. I can't wait to, because we're going to have to have a part two. We're oh, yeah. Have that. Oh, yeah. Another, we'll have you back on, yeah. A little recap. Yeah. Welcome back, folks. Thank you for sticking with us. We, of course, want to thank our awesome and amazing guest, Jesus Rose, Brian Jones, my good friend. Yeah, that was awesome. Thanks so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate you coming on the show, brother. And we hope that we send you some more fans with the net that we cast out there. We're going to cap off the end of the episode 
with Brian's single, The Bag. So guys, stick around to check that out. We want to get some shout-outs and recaps out of the way from recent episodes. So, of course, we want to say once again thanks to Jason Asbury for being on Episode 9 of Storm Ruler and promoting what they have coming out and Hell yeah. their it tour. Incredibly humble. and really appreciate him coming on. That was awesome. And I know that I got some really good feedback from the episode with Jason. I did How about too. you, Josh? Yeah, yeah. I actually ran into a buddy at Walmart, and uh, he was like, yeah, man, I've been listening to every episode. It was so cool of Jason to come on and promote, promote Storm Ruler. You know, I love those guys, you know, so that was really cool. So always good to have feedback like that. So Yeah, and guys, keep the feedback coming. We love it. We'll shout you out on the program. Jason, of course, popped us a little bit of a number here, so just kind of let you know how that's going. I was looking at some of the stats, and I saw that uh, Jason, he was already, his episode that he was on is already in fourth place for us. Oh, so, awesome. You know, uh, we really appreciate it. We've had some, you know, the Nation on the Devastation tour, their social media accounts actually retweeted our show. Oh, that's awesome. And the links. I didn't even yeah, see that. Was on, that on Twitter, Twitter and yeah. Instagram. Well, cool. So Thanks, guys. they were promoting us as well, the the tour uh, organizers. Shout out to them, guys. So we appreciate that. Uh, let's talk about what we got going on next week. Next week, we're going to do a deep dive on Jonestown, Jim Jones, the famed cult leader, rooted in somewhat of some Christianity, if you will, but kind of formed into this weird amalgamation of odd beliefs. And we're going to invite our buddy Ridge onto the episode, who's kind of into that sort of thing, just like we are into cults and and secret societies and so on and so forth, like we talked about before. So, And we're also going to have a an amazing song debut for a band called Path of Might out of St. Louis. I want to give everybody an opportunity in, in advance to kind of check them out. Super excited. Uh, Path of Might has a new record coming out. They're going to be doing a record release show on April 22nd at 7 p.m. at the Red Flag, $15 at the door, all ages. Go and check them out. Uh, Path of Might is actually going to allow us an exclusive single to debut on the show. So it's not even out for general consumption right now yet. So another exclusive for the ATI podcast. Yes. So we got another exclusive on the ATI podcast. We're very excited about Marcus from Path of Might, also of Fister, has been so kind to share that with us. And we're really looking forward to releasing that track for you folks. And hopefully you can make it out to the show. We're going to try and make it out to the show as well and give you some feedback, but uh, we will be dropping that on the same day as the show so that it will be on April 22nd, next Friday. We lastly, and most importantly, want to thank Jesus Rhodes once again for coming on the show today. As we mentioned, we were going to detail where you can check him out at. Hit up Jesus Rose on Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, Amazon Music, anywhere that you get your music, Pandora, he's everywhere, and you can't miss him. Uh, Jesus Rose is blowing up right now. Jesus Rose is on social media if you'd like to follow him there. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. His Instagram is at Jesus Rose. Twitter's at Jesus Rose. And TikTok is at Jesus Rose. And we want to clarify the spelling on that because it's not exactly how it sounds. So <laughs> it's at J-E-Z-U-S-R-O-S-E. So Rose, like the flower, and Jesus, but in a not-so-traditional sense, you remove the S and put a Z in there. So it's at Jesus Rose. On all of his social media, I can't miss him. And I am Barrett. Instagram, Twitter, you can follow me there at Barry Insane. And I'm Josh, and you can find me on Twitter at the OGW and on Instagram at underscore Joshua Welch. And we are out of time. Until next time, guys. Good night and good luck, 
Here's The Bag by Jesus Rose. This is Josh from ACI Podcast. For show updates and news about the podcast, follow us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ATI Podcast 22, on Twitter at podcast underscore ATI, on Instagram at the ATI Podcast, on TikTok at ATI Podcast. DMs are always welcome. Have a question for the show? You can always email us at ATI Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Stay safe out there. This is Barrett from the ATI Podcast. Each week, Josh and I discuss current events, pop culture, music, TV, movies, politics, sports. Nothing is out of bounds. You can also tune in to learn about rising artists, small businesses, whether it's music, graphic design, filmmaking, 
or even a brick-and-mortar mom-and-pop shop. We'll be spotlighting folks and their endeavors. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Anchor, or anywhere you enjoy your podcast. Just search ATI Podcast. We would like to thank you for your continued support. And as always, please stay safe out there.